Hey, uh, welcome. Uh, my name's Steve, and uh, I'm one of the ministers here at Door of Hope Christian Church. It gives me great privilege to welcome you, not just here, but those who are participating online this morning, wherever you may be from around the globe this morning, you are beaming in live to Launceston, Tasmania here at Door of Hope Christian Church, and it is our very special Hamper Sunday. Before we go any further, you're wondering where the hampers are. Well, the team take it up a whole level each and every year, don't they? And these fireplaces, uh, these mantles, pieces will be dismantled uh, later on in the service and uh, they've even made it glow. They've done a great job, haven't they? We're thankful for Tony and Michelle and the team who each and every year, believe it or not, the boxes are there ready to give out to you, our special guest this morning. Well, just a couple of minutes, see if I can have your attention just for a moment. And I just want to ask you a question. Is that, is that okay? This morning, I want to ask you, have you ever gotten lost? Have you ever lost a child? Yeah, how many people have ever gotten lost before in life? You know, you, you maybe maybe in a in a supermarket or in a, a large shopping mall or wherever it might be, you may have lost your child and you felt lost. I wonder if you can go back to that moment where you were where you were lost. How you felt in that moment, how you were going to find your way out, how you were going to find mum or dad again. Maybe you've been bushwalking and uh, you've gotten lost. And uh, you're wondering how on earth, you're thinking Westpac helicopter, you're thinking all kinds, how are you going to make your way out? Anyone gotten lost in a maze before? I'm sure you have. I certainly have. You're walking through this maze and you're going the wrong way. You get lost. And uh, uh, maybe some of you, in fact, I was speaking to somebody this morning, that they lost their child at Festivali. And uh, they came up with this arrangement right at the start. If we do get lost, we're going to meet at a certain place at a certain time, just in case you get lost. Husbands, help me out here for a moment. If you've ever been driving your wife with your wife in a big city and you lost your way and she, she suggests to you, how about we have a look at a map? And in all your wisdom, wisdom husbands, you say, no, we'll be fine. Let's just follow the... Let's just follow the signs. And although, although the signs are very clear, you miss one sign, guess what? You miss pretty much everything. You see, signs are important, especially for a child who may have lost their way in a supermarket or a, a large uh, area of space, wherever it might be, in a large city. Signs are important. A different kind of sign, if I could say just for a moment. So it was April this year where I attended my niece's uh, wedding. And it was a beautiful setting. And in the afternoon of the wedding, I was getting ready, and I put on a watch. I put on this particular watch I'm wearing today. You see, this watch belonged to my father. And my father passed away four years ago. And the way he received this watch was by volunteering for a well-known well -known organization, volunteering. And he, in fact, raised uh, I would say thousands of dollars for this organization that helped youth at risk. And each and every Christmas, my father would receive a particular gift from this uh, international organization for whom he helped over so many years. And one particular year, he got this watch. And I was blessed to receive this watch after my father's passing, and I wear it on special occasions. And so I wore this watch at my niece's wedding back in April this year in honor of her grandfather. 
What's interesting, that this watch didn't necessarily mean something to the crowd, and I certainly wasn't expecting that at all. Yet, during the wedding, one of my sisters came up to me and said, that's Dad's watch, isn't it? You see, she hadn't seen this watch for some time. But what's interesting, and why I share this with you, is that this was a sign. This was a sign that didn't mean a lot necessarily to the crowd, and I wasn't expecting that. But it could mean so much to just a few people on that particular day. The reason I share this with you is because the story of Christmas begins with a sign. In fact, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, said this, therefore the Lord himself will give you a, say this with me, will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Does anyone know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, long before he, he, he was conceived in the womb of Mary, this plan was conceived in the heart of God. And I think you would agree that the, the, the uh, virgin birth was an absolute miracle. It was a, if I could call it this morning, a spectacular sign. <laughs> just a quick question. Let's have a bit of fun just here for a moment, if we could. Take our minds out just for a, just a couple of moments. That if you were God, if you were God, how would you plan your arrival on planet Earth? Just for a moment, let's have a bit of fun with it. If you had these unlimited options and resources at the tips of your fingers, how would you go about it? Maybe, maybe you could go about it in these couple of ways. You could go about it, first of all, in the out-to-impress approach. Out-to-impress approach. Maybe, maybe that would unfold like this, that you could arrange Jesus to be born in the most impressive city in the world, in the most impressive building in that city, to the most impressive parents in that city. That's the out-to-impress approach. The, another approach you could, you, could, you could go with would be the show-off approach. Let's go into fireworks. Let's go with as many fireworks to make the Sydney New Year's Eve celebration look absolutely silly. Let's really go for it. Unlimited resources at your fingertips. Where are the dancers? Bring the, the dancers. Let's have one big, massive party. Now, of course, he sure knew how to make a grand exit with his death, with his burial, and with his resurrection, and then his ascension before his own disciples' very eyes. Now, that is an exit. So if he conquered death and if he conquered the grave, why couldn't he think of something in terms of maybe a little bit bigger kind of entrance, maybe a God kind of entrance into the world? So why, the question to us here this morning, why such a low-key arrival on planet Earth? Well, I think there are a few reasons for that, and I don't have time to go into all those reasons this morning. But just maybe a couple, if I could just share with you this morning, because in a way, in a way, God says to a world who is obsessed with more, more, that in fact less is more. 
that less is in fact sometimes better. And sometimes less is even beautiful. Maybe that's one of the reasons. So I'm going to suggest this morning, the reason for this would be for, uh, to, to come to earth would be to, for that a humble approach. A humble approach. Instead of that out to impress approach or that show off approach, maybe a humble approach. And because of that, he chooses Bethlehem instead of Rome. He chooses a barn over a palace. He chooses peasants over royalty and a few animals on the side. All he knew as he came from heaven to earth was exactly that. All he knew was heaven. The Bible describes to us heaven is unimaginable beauty. And he arrives on earth and the first thing he smells is a barnyard full of animals. All he knew of was heaven. It's hard to imagine, but the the Bible describes to us what heaven is like, and it's unimaginable, unimaginable beauty. And so we have no idea. We have no idea what Jesus left behind, yet he left it voluntarily, not forcibly, not for a week, but for 33 years. You see, here's the big reason. I think this is the big reason in terms of taking the humble approach. And it's this. That God himself had already gone big when he created the world. When he created the universe. You see, you can't get much bigger or spectacular than that. Let me explain. Let's go there for a moment if we could, team. The universe is huge, is huge. Even with my words and with what we're seeing right now, coming out from earth into the galaxies, into the universe, it's even hard for us to grasp just how huge the universe is. In fact, scientists tell us that just within our galaxy, by the way, the Milky Way galaxy, there are billions of stars And by the way, we're not the only galaxy. Scientists tell us there are in fact 80 billion galaxies. The universe is huge. And so when God created the heavens and the earth, when he created, he went big. But when he created and when he entered the world in which he created, he went small. And this was the sign. The God who had never been confined to time or to space was reduced, by the way, voluntarily, to the size of a speck. In the womb of a teenage virgin, and he wakes to the smells of animals. So why? Why does God become human Why does he allow himself then to be crucified upon a cross? And why do you and I need a God like that in our lives? I think it's a pretty fair question. Well, maybe the answer would go something like this this morning. That we're not very good at reading signs. We're not very good at reading the signs. Yet signs are all around us. 
when we don't connect our human experiences to the personal, spiritual brokenness of our souls. And because of that, we don't see the signs. Well, Steve, what do the signs actually look like? This is what they look like. Anger, jealousy, greed, hatred, murder, war, violence, terrorism, human trafficking. The signs of our brokenness is when we hurt each other, when we betray each other, when we wound each other, and we don't connect that this is a sign of our personal spiritual brokenness. And God is saying that that's the sign. That's a sign that we can't fix ourselves, that we can't repair or heal ourselves. And so God says, he says that I'm going to send a sign through the prophet Isaiah. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we have a God with us in our imperfection. So we have a God with us in our brokenness. So we have a God with us in our loneliness. So we have a God with us in our pain, with us in our brokenness and in our sin. Of all the things God the creator could have sent us and given to us, the best thing, the best thing that he thought was best for us was his son Jesus, the gift of his very self, his very presence. And this is a reminder that at this time of year, from God's perspective, is that relationship is better than rules. Relationship with him is better than rules. Yes, he could have sent us a rule book and each and every Christmas underneath that tree, we'd open that rule book and it'd be a list of rules saying that this is what life is about and how you can fix the mess that you are in. Just simply follow these rules. But from God's perspective, he says that relationship with him and with each other is better than rules. Let me take you back to when I was a little boy. And I remember traveling uh, with my family, and uh, we have a special Christmas time about an hour away from here. And uh, my, my extended family and relatives, we would gather, and the tradition around our Christmas time, we, we would, would simply unwrap the gifts to each other. And a certain person each and every year would be assigned to, uh, to be that gift giver to each and every person. But the truth is, and I've really thought about this, and this is the truth. I've thought about this all those years ago that I literally cannot remember one single gift that I was given. You may be able to remember, but I cannot remember one single gift that I could remember. But you know what I can remember? I remember the relationships. I remember the people around that Christmas tree. I remember the people around that table I remember relatives who I played with out in the playground. I remember the relationships. And you know what? God has created you and I for relationship. Relationship with him and relationship with each other. And so instead of giving us a rule book, what did he give us? He gave us a part of himself, that which left heaven and came 
to earth. Have you ever found something around your, hel- your house or may have been given something at Christmas time and you kind of thought, I wonder, I wonder if that's a, a collectible of some sort. In fact, I wonder, I wonder how much that would be worth. Come on, let's be honest, anyone? I wonder how much that would be worth one day. In fact, I wonder how much it would be worth now. You see, the value of something is determined by what somebody is willing to pay for it. The value of your house is not worth what the appraisal says it's worth, but by what somebody is willing to pay for it. What I mean by this is let me show you the value of humanity. Let me show you just for a moment your value. And it's written from the gospel according to John, chapter 3, verse 16. And this is from the message paraphrase, and it says this. This is how much God loved the world, not the globe, but the people. He gave his son, his one and only son, and this is why, so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. How? By believing in him. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to what? To help. These gifts today are but a physical help, a help. He came to help, to put the world right again. I don't think I need to have a conversation with you about that this morning. We see that we live in a fragile and uncertain world. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. This morning, I just want to ask you, well, in fact, I don't know where you are with the church. I don't know where you are with God. But I do know this. If your picture of God is anything less than a God who loves you unconditionally, you have an inaccurate picture of God. Because God has never made a person he does not love. His love isn't based on what we've done or what we do. His love is based on who he is. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that God is love. And at Christmas, we are reminded, and it's good to be reminded, that he sent this sign And this sign was this, that he got small so we could enter your world in a big, big way and be with you now and all eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I pray? Is it okay if I just pray just in these moments, as Amanda alluded to before? It's a busy season, there's lots going on and town's getting busier and families are getting busier and 
I'd just like to pray for us. Four words this morning could change everything. I believe, I receive. I believe, I believe that you are the Son of God. And I invite you into those places in my life that I need you the most. The God of Christmas, would you come in and have your way? Would you forgive me of my past and give me a brand new future? I surrender, I believe, and I receive the gift of Christmas. Father, this morning, in these few moments, I thank you for how big you are, how great you are. You're an almighty God. You created the universe. You created the world, and I'm thankful that you, you got small, and that was a sign. That you enter our lives and our world and our circumstances, as we've just read, to help us. Not to harm us, but to give us a hope and to give us a future. Thank you, Father, that this Christmas means so much more because we know that you are with us us. And we lift our prayers to Emmanuel, God with us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.